0: Thank you. Hi, I say this is the morning podcast with Jacob and Ethan. This is hell. Podcast. My name is Jacob. You're out coming. To you from Cloudy Manhattan, Kansas, and I'm doing a solo one today. We're doing a solo one. Welcome to the solo podcast world of Breakfast as Hell. You know everyone that listens to this podcast that tells me about how they listen to this podcast loves the solo ones, so. All right, so let's get to some listener emails. Gotta pull up my computer. And I'm not trying to do that thing where I'm singing and like, oh, well, you know, maybe if I sing, people would appreciate I just, I like, it's just my style of comedy, okay? It's just my style of humor, okay? If you're a Breakfast is Hell podcast listener, you gotta appreciate the humor. If you don't appreciate the humor, you ain't... You ain't, you ain't breakfast as hell, Stance? I don't know. I don't even know. I feel like our fans should be called something fun. I think like, like how about the hash browns? Like, okay, if you can't appreciate the style of humor, you ain't a hash brown, okay? All right. So the breakfast as hell listeners, this is semi-official. Uh, you've all been dubbed the hash brown crowd. So maybe the hash browns. I don't know. We'll come up with some cool name for the listeners. I like hash browns, something, something, I like, like, I like like hash browns. Okay, anyway, to the first email, this is from a Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith, to me, you guys are awesome! Exclamation point. I am finally going through and listening to all of these. I guess he's referencing the podcast. Very entertaining, and definitely not afraid to, quote, go there, end quote, period. Uh, well, thank you, Mr. Smith. Um, so, yes, I think, if anything, the Breakfast is Hell podcast, we do attempt to go there. Now, where there is, we don't really usually know when we're sitting out, but somehow we always seem to arrive, so that's kind of the um, kind of the ethos of this podcast. And have I – what have I been doing to go there? Oh, I've still been working on that freaking uh, greatest – I don't know. I mentioned this in a solo podcast about four months ago. But I've been working on the BFI 250, British Film Institute, uh, basically this magazine. Like, like, there's no one gold standard of the greatest literary works and no one gold standard of the greatest, like, music. But there is this poll that's been done by the British Film Institute – Every 10 years since like the 30s or 40s. And they do all the major film critics in the world and several directors. And it really is like the gold standard of what uh, are considered the best films of all time. And I am almost done with it. I've only had... Well, before this week, I had eight films left. And... I tell you, I've been saving these eight films for a variety of reasons. One is they're all really long, several of them are silent, you know, three-plus hours. And I finally got through a film called Out One. Uh, I think the director's last name was Rivette, and it's 13 hours long, but it's thankfully divided up into episodes. And that one wasn't too bad. That one wasn't too bad. And then, uh, but (laughs) speaking of going there... Um, I finally watched this one film that I was actually—I've never been afraid to consume a piece of art, but I was terrified to consume this. It's called *Salò* or *120 Days of Sodom*, and it is a make of a uh, Marquis de Sade uh, novel. And this guy, Pier Paolo Pasolini, also made what is probably the greatest religious film of all time. So this guy was like a Marxist, an atheist. He made, I think, a gospel according to St. Luke or according to St. Matthew. But that one is also a phenomenal movie. Um, but he also made this movie, which, you know, I've, 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 I'm not even going to go into it. Even talking about it right now almost makes me want to vomit. Uh, but I'll get into that in a second. But anyway, the re- movie's reputation has preceded itself uh, in my life, and I remember talking to somebody, uh, about a year or two ago at a movie-watching party, and we were trying to talk, because it was like a movie-watching group, and we were trying to figure out the next movie, and she was, she was gutting for this, and I was like, you know, I've heard it's really a lot, I've heard it's, it's way too much, I'm not even sure, like, I'm gonna be able to handle watching it, like, I may never watch it, and this girl, she's like, no, it's great, it's so wonderful, it's really not that bad, it's really not that crazy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I can indeed tell you this movie, Solo or 120 Days of Sodom, is the most difficult piece of art and the most disgusting and disturbing thing I've ever consumed. And I, I say that having pretty much – I've read widely, watched most of the film. It's like – it's what I – I haven't seen The Human Centipede, but, like, imagine The Human Centipede but done by a great director. And, like – It's not even that it was bad. It's not even that it was bad. Like, it was well-made, which almost makes it worse, because I wish I could just, like, attack this movie on the grounds of, like, being a poorly-made movie. But there was real thought. Like, it was well-shot. There was, like – there were actually, like – it wasn't just, like, gore either. Like, there's criticism of, like, high culture and, you know, like, how we treat people – like, pieces of meat sometimes, and then also, like, you know, basically, like, also, it was, like, almost, like, kind of, like, a... It was... It's an old book from, like, 1800s, but he... The director reset it into the time of, like, fascist uh, Italy, and so it's almost, like, like, how fascism uses simple human desire to, like, eventually turn people into, like, murder machines. Like, there's real thought behind it, but, like... I I several times ta- like I had to sh- hold my hand over my eyes I started dry heaving about halfway through and I spent about 20 minutes dry heaving um and I did it I got through it I survived but dang that was that was a lot um so yeah not afraid to go there on the breakfast to sell podcast but uh, sometimes going there <laughs> it's just. Just uh, punches you in the gut and um, makes you want to vomit. And sometimes it makes you laugh. And I have to say that girl who thought that we should watch this in a room of people and <laughs> didn't think it was that bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to shame people for their thing. That's not my sort of, you know, you, you, you're into whatever you're into. But, like, that wasn't even, like, one of those movies where it's, like, oh, I'm just not into what's going on. It's, like, just, like, it. it's, oh, man. It's, uh, I mean, you're watching people basically just torture other people and, like, people, you're watching people torture other people who don't want to be tortured, and that is not a thing for me. And I hope if it's a thing for you – you only do it consensually because if you are torching other people against their will that's a crime and it's very bad and nobody should do that ever so don't do it okay second email and this one is from a miss miss uh, schweizer miss schweizer hey bih oh yeah by the way we call ourselves bih sometimes I don't know how we should pronounce that, uh, but it stands for breakfast to tell. Uh, what is the worst, most frustrating story you can tell? Love the podcast best. Well, thank you, Miss Schweizer, 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 uh, most frustrating story. Oh, I guess we can tell a story time, story time breakfast to tell podcast. Okay, most frustrated I've ever been. All right, I'll tell this story. Um, Yeah, so... uh, Breakfast, tell, podcast. Amtrak, yeah. So I used to ride Amtrak to and from Kansas to New York when I went to college out there. And about halfway through my term there, I started taking Amtrak to and from And I think on one of my very last Amtrak trips, Um, I love Amtrak. I love it. I love, like, you know, you take the train out of the city and you got to go north to, uh, out of New York, and you got to go north to Albany. And so you're just riding alongside the Hudson for a few hours. And then you get to Albany and you leave Albany and you fall asleep and you always wake up like, it was always, you always like wake up a little bit. I should have brought a blanket, whatever. But you always, I would always wake up After leaving Albany, like somewhere in the middle of the Midwest not quite because you had to change trains in Chicago, both going to and from. And so I would always wake up somewhere in the Midwest and it would just be like, oh, I'm finally out of the East Coast. And it was just such a like a moment of joy because it was always like I would wake up and that would just be like the signal that I was finally close to home. And then I get to Chicago and I love Chicago. So I'd go walk around, get some food. Except fuck the deep dish. Man, the deep dish. Deep dish is no deep. Deep dish is shallow. Okay? Shallow souls like the deep dish. Uh, not real pizza. Not real pizza. Um, go walk around Chicago for a little bit. And that's I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, We'll wrap. I'll tell you this story. Then I'll tell you a funny story before we cut off this podcast because that's all the emails we got um, for this podcast. Save some of the other ones for later. But uh, anyway, so I would take it and then I'd get off in Chicago. Then we'd we'd ride back and then I'd get to Kansas would be like the dead of night. And we'd eventually pull into Newton, Kansas at like 2, 3 a.m., get off the train. Parent would be there, pick me up you know, swing by, grab some MACDs, get some fast food, and it was great, I loved it, it was like a ritual, um, definitely, like, got to go for a very long run before riding the train, got to move around as much as you can when the train stopped, um, and one other thing that helps is back when I was riding the rails, I used to be a smoker, so I always went out for all the smoke breaks, um, so, anyway, I think my last return trip from New York on Amtrak so whatever we're going along going along and we're like we're like it's like the second day so I've we know we've gotten out of New York we're in the Midwest we're not to Chicago yet and I'm on the platform and uh so like I think we still got maybe we had already got past Chicago because I still had a long time maybe I've gotten past Chicago so we got past Chicago I got on my other train that was one that's going to take me to Newton Kansas eventually and uh so we got I was I was smoking on the platform once, just my and my thing, happy little, you know, happy guy, blah 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 on my way home. And the conductor comes to me, like, have you been smoking on the train? Like, what? A few passengers, a few of your fellow passengers came up and said you've been smoking on the train. And like, like, no, I haven't been. Like, I I wouldn't do that, by the way. I wouldn't do that. I would never smoke on a train. So anyway, you know, the night comes. I fall asleep so maybe it was before it must have been the, the New York to Chicago leg. anyway it doesn't really matter but um. yeah so I go to sleep and then during the night I wake up because I smell smoke and I smell like smoking and like oh I wake up and like oh there's a tin of smoke in the air and I don't think much of it but like I don't even think I even had my lighter like in my pocket like oh that's right Yeah, so I, like, my lighter, oh, that's right, yes, I was smoking, no, that's right, this is back when I was a smoker, but I I didn't have any cigarettes with me, because I was out of money, so it's like, I didn't even have, like, any smokes on me, Um, okay, so hold up, yeah, so that's what makes this all the more uh insane is i wasn't even like when i got approached by the conductor i would think i was like smoking my last cigarette and like i was out of cigarettes after that um and so the next night i woke up smell smoke whatever go back to bed and then the middle of the next morning the freaking conductor walks down the aisle like stands over me hovering leaning over me like we talk to everybody. We all know what you're doing. We all know you're smoking in here. You need to stop or we are going to kick you off the train. And like everyone around me is like looking at me. Um, and so, like, like, they're all looking at me like, oh, he's finally getting his. And then um, I'm like, I'm like, tell him, like, I haven't been smoking on the train. I have not been smoking on the train. And he's like, people say they saw you smoking last night. In your seat. Like, not like, oh, we think he was smoking in the bathroom. Like, people were telling him, the conductor, that they literally saw me smoking while I was sitting in my seat when I was just sleeping the whole night, you know. And um, like all these these two or three people are looking back at me. And then anyway, so later on that day, around noontime, this trashy woman who's been riding in the back of the train car. This, she looked trashy. She was just she looked greasy and trashy and ratty, and then she went to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, she was in there for like five or ten minutes. And all of a sudden, the smell of smoke filled the car. And I just raised my hands up in the air just to show them. I started yelling, "It's not me! It's not me! I'm not the one smoking! Okay, it's not me!" And you like all the people who had been staring at me before. I don't know whether it was like mob psychology and they just like one person thought maybe they saw me and then they were all talking and then they all like convinced themselves that they had actually seen me smoking or whether there was some reason they didn't like me. I didn't even talk to these people. I don't know what it was or maybe, you know, I was a college kid so I looked like a poor trashy guy. I don't know. But like all three of those people, you know that thing when, when somebody like knows they've effed up and they just won't look at you. Like, all three of those people just, like, tensed up and, like, just dead stared at whatever they were staring at before and refused to turn their heads and look back at me and, like, acknowledge the fact that they had all just about got me kicked off this train. Because the conductor, I'll tell you what, if the conductor, like, he was just – he was almost actually going to throw me off the train. Like, it wasn't the kind of, like, hey, like, we think you've been doing it and, like, if we – if there keeps being a problem, like something bad is going to happen. It's like, he was actually threatening to kick me off the train and he was really tempted to do it. Um, and I just, I don't know why he didn't, I think cause maybe we weren't that far from Chicago at that point, but yeah. And it wasn't even me. And these people couldn't even like apologize. Like what I really should have done is I should have gone and got the conductor and I didn't want to, I didn't want to rat out this girl, you know? But like I should have gone and got the conductor and been like, look, man, like the smell of smoke happened again. It happened when she was in the bathroom. And all these people can attest that, like, as soon as it happened, I raised my hands. I wasn't smoking. There was no cigarette, any smoke, anything, even near me. Like, um, I, sh- I, I should've I should have called Amtrak and like raised a fuss. Because imagine just like being halfway, I know I told a story a few podcasts ago in my podcast with Zach Weber about a woman who threatened to sue me when I was tutoring in New York. Like when you're a freaking kid, you know, like when you're young and somebody is threatening to uh, like kick you off a train in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, like for something you didn't do, it scares the crap out of you. And this is a problem I think I run into a bit where like in my heart, you know, I'm like a Carly Rae Gibson fan. I'm like a nice guy generally, but I've got the outward appearance of someone who will rip your fucking head off. So people think like, oh, this guy is like, he's smoking on, you know, I've got, I've got stories like this. I got another one I could tell. And maybe I'll set it for another podcast, but just we're like, people think like I'm the kind of guy who's going to like roll up and just like destroy things and be the one who's the problem. And so they, like, assume it's me that did it or, like, assume or, like, try to get me in trouble preemptively so that, like, they can put a tamp on me. Um, I don't know what. I mean, I feel like these people probably saw me, like, okay, bearded college kid, like, doesn't look very, like, he has very much money. We saw him smoking before. It's probably him. Like, look how. And, you know, I'm just, like, kind of a, I can be, I like, a physically, not, like oh, I'm so strong, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I can be a physically, like, I can have, like, an over, not an overbearing, but I can have, like, a physically impressive appearance. Like, bearded guy, six foot, 200-some pounds, fairly well built. And so, you know, I'm just, but I've got the heart. I've got the heart of a champion. I've got the heart of just a guy who likes to make homemade bread and homemade tortillas and homemade breakfast burritos and podcasts and write songs and stories, okay? You know, I've got a soft heart. I've got a heart, people. Don't be pinning your nonsensical Amtrak nonsense on me. Anyway, so that's that story. Um, but I was going to wrap this thing up with some funniness. And uh, let's talk one time, actually. So one of my favorite things to do when I was coming back through Chicago I would take my guitar to him with me from school and uh, I'd like to go and I wasn't trying to do it for attention I was just like I'd kill the time I'll play some guitar out in front of the station and not like to get money but just like I'll open up the guitar sit by the river and play (laughs) and so (laughs) I'm playing and I've like I got like this cut off like white tee like undershirt white tee I think I'm wearing shorts and it's like the middle of winter because I'm just out of clean clothes and just not looking good this homeless guy, I see this homeless guy, he's walking around, he goes, he's going up to everybody outside the station, like, hey, you got any money, hey, you got any money, you know, he comes up to me, like, hey, man, you got any money, I'm like, no, (laughs) he kind of looks at me for a minute, looks at my, my duffel on the ground beside my guitar, like, looks at me, I'm sure just, like, with, like, I don't know what my hair was at that point, unkempt beard, I'm sure I smelled, he's like, hey, man, you need some money, (laughs) <laughs> you know, like homeless people helping out homeless people. And hey, I spent a I spent about a week homeless in New York. It was in between places. That's a whole story. Homeless people, look. Oh, and I was when I walked across the South, dude. There's a it's a rite of initiation. Like, like homeless people, you can I even tell. Like, I gave a dude a ride a few weeks ago, and like homeless people got like the face for the dude they're grifting. But like, once you like establish yourself as one of them, uh, you can learn a lot from homeless people uh like pro tip if you gotta sleep on the street use cardboard insulates ya provides a decent level of padding and uh keeps you clean like and it's cheap you can find it anywhere so if you ever got to sleep on the street go find yourself some cardboard man cardboard underrated okay that's the podcast thanks for tuning in and we'll catch up with you sometime soon ciao ahoy